Welcome back to Anime Savants, everyone. This is episode 34. And uh, let's start with social media. So if you haven't followed us yet, we are on Facebook. So make sure you head over to Facebook, Anime Savants. Give our page a like. We have everything on there that you need to know about, you know, the release dates and everything else that's happening. And along with that, we also are on Instagram, Anime Savants, Twitter at Anime underscore Savants, and TikTok, Anime Savants. So that's done. So let's go into news. All right. Um, I'll just the, the usual hits. Jujutsu Kaisen's manga circulation is just just blowing up right now. Yes. Uh, I mean, at this point, you know, it's not only is it getting like the anime bump, which happens to a lot of shows, but it's just clearly uh, a hit on its own. So if you go back, maybe about a year, this is prior to the announcement of season one. The, one of the reasons why it got picked up for an anime was that it was just just growing at a, at a crazy pace. And over the last, you know, few months, it's... Now, now, when they say copies in circulation, what they mean is sold through. So when the uh, publisher actually gets a record back that people have bought it, it's not just in the stores. It's like people physically bought it. So you're getting like, you know, 300 to 400% growth in the number of copies actually bought over the last few months. I mean, like, that is... It's outstanding. So you have no worries that JJK is not going to be around. It's going to be around. I'm actually very interested to see, since the um, prequel volume that got released later is also doing really, really well, um, there's a good chance that maybe when the this core is over, the next thing they wind up doing is the prequel. Uh, oh, or, okay. Because I don't. Because the thing is, like, it, 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 it's either that or that it has to take some space away in one of the future cores, and I'm not really sure that that's how they would do it. So I'm curious because if anyone remembers back to when um, Naruto was running, uh, when they did the Kakashi Gaiden, and they kind of yeah, stuck it in in between the time skip. Yeah, I'm not sure if they will go with that because it's not a. It's not like a. Uh, a weekly series like animated series they may actually release it in another way potentially as a movie though i doubt it so i'm curious to see what they do with that it's only that four would be chapters. interesting yeah if it was released as like a wait just the prequel thing itself just those four chapters as a movie well the four chapters cover a longer period of time but it's oh, telling a story okay. about uh akatsu who's a character mm-hmm. that we haven't met yet in the anime. So there's a possibility that they could take the story that's told there and flesh it out into something more substantial than... Because four chapters is about an episode and a half, depending on you know how things get adapted. It can be anywhere, you know, some, some shows, I think Black Clover will do like three chapters in an episode. But two and a half is about where like the usual like Shonen Jump. Um, adaptation goes and that's more or less what they've done with Jujutsu Kaisen so far is about two chapters and maybe like a couple of scenes so I think I think they could I think that it's it's good enough and relevant enough that it could probably be like a they don't do ONAs or OVAs much anymore but it might be fodder for a movie plus it's selling like the prequel is selling really really well so that's what I mean like it's going to get it, it the just the prequel volume is ranked like in like 15th or 14th or something like that overall damn in terms of like yeah so it's doing pretty good all right jujutsu kaisen supremacy (laughs) fuck it yeah 
I, I mean, I don't really see it going anywhere, especially after the especially after the way that the manga is going. Not the manga, the anime. We'll get into that later. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll come out the gate with the wild one then. So <laughs> they are. <laughs> so um, uh, what is it? I became a gyaru and got and fucked my best friend. It's getting an anime. <laughs> I can't take it. I can't take these people. <laughs> and I'm just going to go ahead and say that I have read a little bit of this. And um, uh, this is Titan's Bride all over again. Like, this is <laughs> it. Like, the, the manga itself is smut. So I'm just, I'm just being honest with you guys. It, it's smut. And uh, seeing this get an adaptation is actually kind of surprising. But it's also very interesting, too, because. Uh, I don't think I can, this isn't really like yaoi, but it is a gender bend. So it's kind of like, eh, what's going on? Uh, whatever. This announcement is, is hilarious. And uh, I can't believe they're doing it, but they're also doing a premium edition, which means that they know that they <laughs> intend on animating the fucking. They know what's going on. They know what's going on. They're going to animate the fucking, and there's going to be a lot of it. But then also, it's like, well, are you guys going to... Well, let me not say that. Because some of you guys might want to actually go, you know, watch or something. I, I guess. I mean, but, I'm not saying that's a bad... I'm actually excited now that I know it's here. I'm probably not going to watch it, but, like, this kind of thing is probably healthy to see more of. Even yeah, if it's, I mean... It's fucking crazy. I think a new like business s model that's coming off of stuff like this and Titan's Bride and Redo where they're just like, oh, we can make, you know, like watered down versions of it. And then people's demand for the uncensored version will be so wild that they will just buy it the fuck on up. Fuck yes, yep. let's do this shit. And even when they say uncensored, it's uncensored by like the standards of Japan. Yeah. Which is, is you know, like... I noticed in Redo, and I didn't see Titan's Bride either version, so I don't, I can't speak to it. I can't but find like, the uncensored Titan's Bride. But like, they are very, very um, strategic about wh what they're showing that is explicit. So, like in Redo, you will see things happening from the back. You will see uh, breasts, but you won't really see any clear genitalia. Or like so penetration. Well, you will see penetration, but not any, but from a different angle. So oh, the point, okay. the point that with one notable exception, which is the dick slap gif that's going around. Oh my god! You know the, what? The, Thank you, whoever like paused <laughs> it in that millisecond to actually catch like the animated dick. Yes. At first, I just thought it was just you know like a blur. Yes. I thought they weren't gonna animate it, but they animated the dick. Yeah, you got one frame of the side of a shaft. Yeah. But, <laughs> but if you but if you are watching the uncensored version of that, you are seeing like you know buttocks being squeezed as as penetration is happening. But you're not seeing any genitalia. So the point is that that may be a way, or like a, I won't say new, new might be too strong a word, but for these types of etchy uh, sort of dramas or things that pretend to be dramas are just, just porn. Uh, just to porn. get to get around both the <laughs> sen like the kind of <laughs> the mar the pixelated marquee censorship, which is very off-putting for uh, non-Japanese audiences, like Western audiences. They typically don't like don't like it very. I mean, I mean, hentai is popular, but um, the the censorship laws in Japan are very interesting. Uh, very, very. I interesting. mean, 
I there are there are a lot of groups who go above and beyond it. At least I know on the internet that are like dedicated to uncensoring a lot of stuff. Yeah, and there are a couple of studios that do release what you would call like hardcore uncensored anime. It's not much of it. You might you know. From, like what a I'm aware, bit from what I'm aware of, you're talking about maybe like four to ten series a year that both get are produced in an uncensored way and are um, subtitled in English. Uh-huh. Um, and normally that's fan groups. It's not necessarily localized. So what I'm getting at is this is a halfway point between like if trying to do a more pornographic, etchy show wanting to have virgins out there that don't have off-putting censorship and also if you notice with redo what they if there is a western like a western localization that's official they're using the exact same subtitles from the uncensored version really so it's the same subtitles so the subtitles themselves are cleaned up so you're not hearing like they'll curse maybe in japanese and for the censored version they won't even have the curse in there um, and they'll use the exact same English subs for the American. So it's all very interesting. I'm actually curious. Like, I'm not going to watch this series because it's just, this is not my kink. I'm, I'm not into that. But I'm actually would be curious about what the, whether they take the same approach for this, like, premium version that Redo did with the, what the hell is it they call that one? The, what's the, um, the, the name of the completely uncensored version? It's got a funny name. Uh, Whatever. But if they take the same approach, or is this going to be more explicit, or is this actually a series where it's not all that um, explicit just to begin with? Like, they're not, there isn't much to cut out. So I'm, I'm just curious. I don't know. I will be watching and updating everybody. So we shall <laughs> see eventually. <laughs> this one this one has my interest more than titan's ride i don't know why but it does i just think it's so out there <laughs> for them to do this but yeah that's all i got for that uh, um what else you got oh uh, we have fun stuff like uh the one of the the well-known uh animators from uh black clover and naruto went to oh, prison this is over a uh, driving without a license. So, but what's interesting is that some people had had pointed out that the same individual was uh, in the news last year for coming out with public complaints about the working conditions for key animators in particular at oh. some big studios. And so it's interesting the timing of this that... If the, if this is the same person, I'm not entirely sure. If, uh, I believe they are the same. Um, but it, that right after uh, he gets out there and makes a lot of complaints, all of a sudden, like he gets picked up for driving without a license. Which, if you think about it, is a is a violation that you would have to normally. You when people get get arrested for driving without a license, is because they're doing something and they get like a traffic stop and they can't produce a license. It doesn't sound like this individual was actually stopped while driving. So... Whoa! So it's curious. Don't know anything. I'm not putting that... I'm not putting it out in the world that, like... That's still Salty people... And, and, oh, yeah, the other big thing is that he won a lawsuit or, or a civil injunction against uh, one of the 
I guess he'd worked for a, um, what do they call them? Uh, studio, a helper studio. Basically, they didn't pay him. And so, uh, he won a lawsuit for overtime pay, um, that they, they hadn't paid. And then this happened. So, you never know. Whatever. <laughs> like, what, what can wow. we really say? So, uh, they put a hit out on Homeboy. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe my ass. They Maybe. Got that we don't know. Um, well, well is, what is he? It's four months and is he going to jail, prison? Is there? Yeah, he's going to be in. He, they, I mean, it's their version of like, you know, county lockup. Wow. Yeah. Well, eh, I mean, if you're going to get locked in prison somewhere, I'm sure Japan is not the worst place. Yeah. I mean, what you going to do? Well, no, I actually know nothing about the the prison system in Japan, so let me stop. I saw one movie, and I'm not, and it was not a documentary, so I'm not going to pretend like I know what I'm talking about either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guarantee. Uh, what else you got? I also have, oh, I already said Gyaru. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I guess we're going to um, be talking about this one for a while. Hunter x Hunter's uh, Seiyus, Gone and Killua Seiyus, said they're recording something and they're hinting at shit. And I mean, I'm excited because, you know, more Hunter x Hunter or something along those lines. I have no idea what it's going to be. But and I also don't read the manga. I literally just watched the anime up to the, like the Chimera arc, the Chimera Ant arc and Gone meeting his dad on top of that fucking tree and his dad basically being like, this tree is a sapling in the bigger world. Mm-hmm. And Where you realize that, like, the whole story is this tiny little, like, droplet in what this world is supposed to be. Yes. And, like, I was like, oh, so you guys are opening it up even further. And they were like, end. And I was like, oh, okay. So if something else comes, that's great. I just really think that he needs to tell someone else how the story goes if he's not going to do it anymore, though. <laughs> well, I just, I just need... I just I just need that to happen and uh you know whoever was in charge of the 2011 Hunter x Hunter you know just you know bring all the motherfuckers back and basically say like hey this is this is how things are going to go let's start working on a script and let's let's roll this out cuz people are tired of wait it's been 10 years it really has and that oh god it has been yeah like we talked about Hunter x Hunter 2011 it, like this but, shit man yeah, it's been a yeah. while, so it's kind of... De- is he on hiatus right now? Yes! Yeah, of course. Why would I... And actually, this card arc is one of the most interesting things I've ever read. Oh, my God. So this is, is why I don't so want to Because I don't want to suffer. I'd rather just end right there. It is so interesting. He introduced, like, 90 characters. They're all great. Like, <gasps> so much what? cool shit is going down. It's It's amazing. They're, like, getting to the... They're getting to the shits with all of the... The big arcs with the spiders and Hisoka. Like, if anyone, if anyone, uh, has the opportunity and you're asking yourself, should you read up on Hunter Hunter, even though it's on hiatus? If the, the only, if the, if you need no other reason, you actually get the Krolo versus Hisoka fight. It is one of the craziest what? things I've ever read. Okay, I'm not gonna give away read it. anything read about it. how it begins, what happens in it, or how it ends. It is fucking awesome. <laughs> Everything now, see, if they even if they just animated that fight, that I'd would be okay. that would be I think legendary. 
if they animated that shit. As legendary as almost every fight in that series is. Probably more so, because, oh my god. Uh, but yeah, I heard this news, and I, 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 my hopes are up. I don't know what it's going to be. I hope it's not one of those fucking, like, what they've been doing with the isekai animes, where it's like a comedy offshoot show. No, I don't want to see Gone in, in like, elementary high school. school or high yeah. school. Uh, no. I don't. I don't like keep that shit if it's going to be that stuff. Not to say that those shows aren't entertaining, but like nobody wants that from Hunter x Hunter. Just, we want actual material. To oh, God, just give him, give him cocaine. Like, <laughs> get him hooked and let's go. Like burn him out. Have his wife do it. Shit. True. Like I just, I don't. If he just wants to retire, just, just say that. Just do it. It's okay. He's too busy playing Azure Lane with Miura. Is he really playing Azure Lane with Miura also? <laughs> this is getting fucking ridiculous on Azure Lane. I'm not, I did not know that motherfuckers love that, that fucking game that much. Uh, That's the thing, though. We talked about this last week. It's indeed. such an easy fucking game. There's, you cannot be obsessed with it because you can't play it all day. No. <laughs> Here we are. Here we are years later with no chapters. <laughs> So I guess the joke's on us. I, it must be, because I don't know what the... Whatever. I mean, there's an Azure Lane anime. Maybe that should, that should at least like catapult them and basically being like, oh, I have a series of my own. This is just some unbelievable shit. Well, speaking, <laughs> of, speaking of other manga series, we have uh, Shinobu Otaka's Orient, which is moving from... Um, I don't remember. Is it, is it in Weekly Jump or one of the Jump side um, publications? But... Uh, it's moving to uh, the monthly magazine that also publishes Attack on Titan. Um, there's some rumors. I mean, obviously, we know Attack on Titan is ending, but that there's not a lot of like marquee. I stuff. thought it was ending in February. Is it it's not? Still two chapters. Two chapters to go. I think. Oh, okay. If not, if not, is it? I think it's ending in March. So whatever this chapter was, and then there's one more that's supposed to clean it up. And on top of that. Uh, the the mangaka also said that like the TV anime might actually have a different ending, and that oh, you should consider God damn and that it. you should consider the TV ending the true ending, whatever that means. I'm I'm exhausted. Already. Yeah, I just come on. At some point, I want to have a conversation with with uh, you know just a general conversation about this particular ending because i i don't like what the manga did they went oh. in a direction that's been done before and was done better in another show uh that or another series that everybody knows about and i can't imagine that the comparisons i mean even down to like some of the verbiage that's used at the end is it, people are going to miss it and they're going to i don't think anyone's going to miss it and i think that the comparisons are not necessarily going to be as flattering as they should be. Um, without going into what the ending is, we already know from the TV anime and just the story in general that basically Attack on Titan is like, yes, the, it, it started out as sort of a zombie apocalypse analog and there was like some po politics and other things that were, you know, culturally interesting. Um, but the main critique of the show is about class and race. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, all the Eldian stuff is literally like like racism, like they're held in slavery because of their ethnic background and xenophobia and blah blah blah. And so like, you know, that's the fixing that is where the plot of the story is trying to go. 
there's only way you can have like a happy ending is to address that concept somehow. Just kill all the humans. Done. Whatever. But the point is that like that's what the show is ultimately about, and that's not necessarily what you would have said the show or the story was about if you'd only watched, say, the first couple of seasons of Attack on Titan. And I think that this is a perfect example of when a series has a good idea, and then in order to extend itself, struggles to connect that good idea to something bigger and broader in a society and culture that is like a little too much for the structure of the story to handle. It's a little bit too much. Because we had a lot, you know, the, the, all the class-based stuff that was most of the, of the plot about like the, you know, the culture of the people on the island, right? It was very like um, uh, feudalistic and uh, class-based where the poor people were pushed out to the edges. Like we all kind of, we, mm-hmm. we get that. That's a, that's, that's, I think was enough for them to carry. When they started adding in like the, in, the international racism and like, you know, Armageddon and all this stuff, it's like, I don't know if it works. So, when when the series is over, when the TV uh, series is also over, I think we can come back and have a conversation about our thoughts mutually about where things went. And I think you'll agree with me when I mentioned the show that this is actually cribbing notes from uh, <laughs> and how it did it better. And I'll leave it at that. Well, we'll see. I mean, yeah. I'm definitely going to go back. If they're going to do two different endings, I'm going to go back and read the manga. And and see from wherever it like divested or branched off because I just I'm not I've been way too invested for way too long to right. not. they haven't changed anything yet it's just going too slowly for them to get to all the stuff that happens so that's what I'm so it is going about. slow it's not like speeding through anything uh like I guess they spent a little bit more time in Marley but like let me put it this way every major character that was interacted with is in the show all the major beats up until the last episode that everyone's been so upset about is what happens in the manga and they, i haven't seen any i have not noticed any change that would like tell me that oh we're in just a different timeline or a different like set of things than what is in the manga so far that's why i keep thinking like i don't know how what now nine episodes they have to go eight Maybe less. I don't, I don't know how you can wrap this up in eight episodes. But, you know, whatever. They'll have to change something. They'll have to, they're going to have to leave a, a, a big part out if they just want to go right to the end. But I don't Orient, want to think about this anymore. That's all was, really what I was trying to say is that Orient looks like it's being positioned to be the successor for uh, Attack on Titan in terms of a, a known series with a known author who has a built-in fan base because um, uh, Otaka was very popular like her work with magi was like it was a cult. it never got as big as as maybe some of these other shows but like she is just magi well known. should have been finished animated i just don't understand why they didn't continue it yeah and i i think orient is not as good but it is really good really it's it's not when i say not as good magi is a very good series yeah so not as good doesn't mean that it's bad not as good just means that like they're, it's not on the same level, right? I I don't know if if the for those who are like not super familiar with it, but like it's got like a monster of the week flavor to it in the way like oh. the chapters are structured, which visually is really really inventive and cool. 
It's not quite Monsters of Week. I mean, like, some stuff takes multiple chapters to go through. But I don't think that there's anywhere near as much, like... Like, you were... It, there was weird stuff in Boggy that was endearing. And I think that was, like, those choices to do, like, weird shit are what made it stand out. Like, the the really gorgeous art was also, like, a big deal. Um, but the weird parts of the story are kind of actually what, what held it up. The idea of, like, going into the these dungeons and getting more powers and everything else is, like, on its surface, a very shonen trope. But it's presented in a delightful and, like, overly gorgeous way. Orient kind of has similar vibes, but it's just simpler. So a lot of the things that were, like, strange and weird and complicated for Magi have just been sort of, like, simplified into other sorts of ideas that aren't, in my opinion, they're just not as interesting. Doesn't mean that I didn't enjoy what I read. It was more like, oh, okay, I see that this is, like, a kind of refinement of, like, the formula from from Magi all the way down to some of the characters almost being the same. And the whole idea of having, like, a a Deuteronomist protagonist, like two of them, like, uh, mm-hmm. I thought that was, like, a good departure, but they're not the character... I think that this sh- this would have been better, ironically, with even fewer characters. Um, so we could just focus a little bit more on the lead. But I like it. So Orient is good, and Orient has enough of a existing fan base as it is, because it's getting an anime, um, that it's a good sort of thing to set up as a replacement as far as that magazine circulation, because I think that... uh not only will it benefit from going to a monthly schedule, but like Otaka is very well respected and well known. So it's a you know it could build it could it could build that magazine up once Attack on Titan is out. I think it's is it Mets Esawani or whatever. I'm trying to remember the name of the actual magazine. But whatever. So it's a win-win situation. Sounds it is. Like. It's a, it's it sounds it's really good, and they're going to overlap by, by a couple of months. So people who are feeling the sad about the end of Attack on Titan and are reading that week, that monthly circulation, they'll have a new series to dive into that I think is also going to be pretty good. Not the hype train that Attack on Titan is, but still pretty good. Um, well. Yeah, so I, the, all I, the only thing I have is just more Solano music from Hathaway's Flash drop, and it's great! And that's all that needs to be said. Yeah. I mean, I don't really have anything. Yeah, that's all I really have. There wasn't there wasn't much that caught my eye. Oh, I oh wait no yeah I do have another one. Um, like Mushoku Tensai is being pulled off of like I think a streaming service in China because like a women's rights group says that it promotes misogyny. Really, and uh, I just want to know uh, what were they expecting. <laughs> Because I feel like the show lets you know very quickly what you're dealing with. Mm. And also, it had really good, it had like a 9.2 out of 10 rating on the platform. And then they like review bombed it. And it's, I, I, I just, I just feel like maybe people think that other people don't know how to think. And it's China. We're talking about. Okay, yeah. Okay, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> I'm not trying to shut you up. I'm just saying. Never mind. No, no, I, I didn't take it that way. It's just. <laughs> I I I I also still did not con- I don't know the the po- not not political. We all Wait, do, political do you think it was because there. of the last episode? I mean, <laughs> uh, this most recent episode was whatever. Like it actually was really good this past week's or uh-huh. what you guys are hearing the week before last with like 
Ghislaine and uh, the introduction of Ares or Iris or whatever her name right, is. Right, right, right. But I think maybe it probably had to do with Paul. Right. Adultery? And Paul. And yeah, and I'm kind of just like, okay, but do you like what about the other series that are specifically about this shit? Like, are we boycotting them? And I don't want to sound I, because I understand why they're doing it. Like they're they're saying that this promotes this, and it honestly does. But then also you have to look at the fucking show, and it is a it's a medieval society, right? With like class a class system women clearly don't have many fucking options or priorities so it's just like i don't think they're promoting like you know the patriarchy and misogyny simply by airing the show i just think they're expecting the people who watch the show to you know basically say or understand yeah this is fucked up but that's also part of the comedy because they know that it's fucked up and also it's part of the plot where it's like how do you overcome these things Right. So. I don't I don't I can't comment over much on like the normal politics of even this show. Like it's a it's a it's a story. So it's not real. But I will say that the thing that got my attention about the uh article itself historically, you know anything about like at least the last 20 years of Chinese history? How often does like the govern the governing censorship body really pay all that much attention to the interests of Chinese women's rights groups? I mean, well, like, it's not even that. It's that like it was like a social media influencer who like started the shit and then they hopped onto it and now like brands are like pulling right. out their sponsors. I like don't I, I I will just say that much like we we don't want to speculate too much about that situation with the animator. I would also not speculate too much about the actual source of whatever this sort of campaign against the show is, because at the end of the day, it's being produced by a Japanese company. And so it's not the craziest thing in the world to think that this may be some kind of retaliation and it's not organic. Um, Because again, you know, Chinese firms don't take their orders from social groups in China. <laughs> they, just, they just they don't. So if this is happening. It's because the Chinese government has an interest one way or the, even a, and it seems petty and small minded. But they're they they've done crazier shit over less. So I'm just gonna leave it out there as like just keep reading the news. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. I I mean, I can understand why people would be turned off by the show. I agree, I agree. I agree. I completely understand that. But I I also am just like if it's not for you, it's not for you. It's not like someone created the show to particularly push these beliefs. Like right. it's all about him learning how to not be a piece of shit. Right. So I guess I he's wanna, not learning fast enough for people. I want to point out that Redo of Healer, both the light novel, the manga adaptation, and currently the anime are airing in China. So Wow. So, wow. But just I'm just gonna leave that right there. So uh forced manipulation well, well, the, memory so alteration is okay. <laughs> some some episodes were banned in China, but you could still but there are official Chinese uh, subtitles and it is it is you can buy it in china it's just not airing on tv 
but everything else is available. Nothing is blocked. So I mean, d- d- yeah, yeah, I, exactly. I mean, I'm not really like super miffed about this, but like I, I'm just kind of like thinking about it. Like if this were to happen, like here, mm-hmm. I would legit just basically be like, do you know how much other shit that's out there that's way worse than this that niggas consume on a regular basis? Absolutely. And, but you know what? Not my purse, not my coins. That is very, very correct. (laughs) It's whatever. It's like, you you freaking out about this animation thing. It's like, shouldn't you be worried about that CW shit? There you go. But okay. Yeah. (laughs) Then we're banned in China. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right, I think that's it. Um, so what do you want to start with? Actually, let's do Skate first. Yes, because it was a light onsen episode, but they still got some, some character development going on. They got a little character development going on, and as soon as uh, they said they were going to a hot spring, I was like, we're going to get a yaoi scene. We're there were a, a couple. Yaoi joke in there. There was a few. They, they got it in there. I actually loved it. I loved the combined effort to cock block Joe. At that was moment. fun. That was great. I loved all of it. I was just like this because that's that's what I could see. That's how I see those guys hanging out. Like, uh, yeah, all, I like, agree. Fucking with each other. Yes. So that was great. Mia was amazing with the daddy shit. And then, of course, they showed Cherry Blossom's like legs and shit. And right. As, as if it was a woman. Him. Yeah, yeah. Right. And yes. I was like, oh, there it is. There it is. There it is. Yeah. Or like how uh, Recky and Longa were like embracing each other, like when they were doing yes. the little play acting. But but again, yeah. the joke there w- that wasn't played, uh, they didn't like have a tentative, furtive look at each other. It was just sort exactly. of like, okay, now we're done. Like, th- like this came up a week ago about like gay baiting, and I don't think that's what this is at all. Yeah, I didn't think this was gay baiting at all. I was just like, we're going to get some fan service. Yeah, that's there you go. It. That's all it was. We're going to get some uh, fan service, and that's what they gave us. That was great. As, as far as like the plot goes, I'm definitely just like, oh, okay, Recky is developing this in- insecurity yes complex like here we go and apparently it's going to peak next episode so yeah and one thing i thought about though when i when they were doing like his little like recap of his motivation talking to joe to get better is that even though it seems like longa is the like genius pro protagonist archetype recky has basically had the exact same amount of screen time and the same number of races as Longa has. They both had two. Yeah. In the course of the series. And while Longa's development as a skater is the focus of the first four or five episodes, I would actually say if, if his agency, especially post the, uh, the match he had with Adam, has sort of dropped back. He's now once again more of a supporting character who doesn't say or isn't yeah act, he was very supporting this this episode yes and whereas the the primary protagonist for this episode was recky and i kind of want to go back now and look like just review real quick the episodes before because i have a feeling that if i go and i look at it closely some episodes are recky episodes and some episodes are longer episodes and that it might even be a much closer split in terms of airtime even though longa is the character that is the audience insert as well mm-hmm. as the typical shonen protagonist who learns everything in a day and he's a genius 
and blah blah blah. Recky basically gets all the pathos. He gets all of like the introspective moments. Like the most you get out of Longa is like he'll have a picture of his dad or something, right? And he'll think about like you know he'll have an inner monologue about his past, but you don't necessarily have him speaking out loud as to like what his feelings are, except for in that one scene at the end after the race with Adam where he says to Recky, I saw something. Or no, he didn't say to him, actually, he says to himself, what was that that zone that they were in, which is absolutely, if we're going to go back to last week, that was definitely like a Kuroko no Basuke, like, you know, in the zone, like magical, like, I, this is where I, I can feel, <laughs> feel the momentum and my body is moving without, like, you know, all that stuff. That's, that, I, I, I feel that in this this episode now, we've shifted over to Recky's perspective. Now he wants to improve. He's going to get tutelage from Joe. And then the other half of the, like, that was the first half. And the other half of the episode was, like, a big gag about, like, stinky mud people having Which, a fun night. Yeah, I legit was just like, oh, do these people have their own, like, skate thingamabob at the hot springs and stuff like that? And it was like, no. No, it's just like a mud festival. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised because I feel like I've seen something like this before, and I always forget that like this show is grounded in a certain place. So they're in Q- are they Kyushu, and then they went to or they are they in Okinawa? I don't or are they visiting Okinawa in this one? I they, have no idea. They're definitely the southern. It takes place in the southern part of Japan because the weather is a lot warmer. Where the, the whatever city they're in, I don't remember what city they're in. Uh, and if they could just get on a boat and go to Okinawa, that would I would assume that they're the coast of Kyushu. But either way, this seems like a kind of weird local fun thing that maybe somebody saw a flyer about one time because they have the the end where you're trying to figure out what the fuck happened and they just have a flyer yeah. float and kind of thing. This feels like an idea that was inspired by something. That's real. Because I remember I was reading a, or I was watching like a travel log where someone went to some small town in the countryside in like the northern part of Japan. And apparently there's like a uh, you, you can like stay in people's homes. And then once a year they have a festival where it's like a festival of scares where people will like wear masks and like act weird in the village like just to fuck with you. But it's for fun. And sort of everyone knows that it happened. So I, I I don't I have no idea what the inspiration was, but the gag itself felt very culturally generated, and that's all. Oh, so okay. I had a, I had a I had a good time. I think that everybody on the central good guy cast has a lot of chemistry with each other, and that is something that's very important for shows like this. Is for all these wacky, over the top characters to feel like in whatever downtime is there they naturally get along. They're not just in a scene just because, even if it's contrived. So I actually enjoyed it. It was a light episode for me. Same. Okay. Hey, we're piling on through. Yeah. All right. Jujutsu. This one I know so, you have some feelings about. Okay. So to be honest, I loved everything about it. The only thing is... I think that the episode would have hit so much harder for me if they hadn't put Mahito in the preview last week. Ooh. <laughs> That's true. Because because they put Mahito in the preview last week, it had me basically being like, oh, are those guys going to show up? And then when they did, I was still shocked. But if they hadn't put him in that at all, those like Hanami's entrance would have been fucking insane. I agree with you 100%. 
So that that was my only like qualm because I feel like that's what you guys got reading the manga. Like Hanami yes. just showed the fuck up. Yeah, I mean you get so um, the scene in the hot spring happens, so you know that they're already planning to like get involved. Mm-hmm. But you don't. But you don't obviously have like the effect of like a preview of the previous episode. This is what's gonna happen next time. Obviously, all the manga readers know what the plot is, so it's kind of similar there. But I agree with you that sometimes this is an argument for like not watching the preview, not being so ravenous to know what comes next, because that's kind of a choice. Yeah, <laughs> people spoil themselves when it's literally going to be scenes from the next episode <laughs> that you're gonna see. Yeah. So. Which, I mean, I still enjoyed it, and uh, I'm pretty sure that, like, this whole, like, three houses thing and the families and all kind of shit like that, that shit's gonna become broke. That shit's gonna come down by the end of the series. Like, that shit's not gonna fucking matter, like, at all. I think they're worried about, like, people getting those traits and stuff like that, but I'm also wondering, like, how do people who aren't part of those families or the branch families... Aren't there people out there who just like have curse powers? Like, how are they found and like how right. are they integrated into the system? Like, that's what makes me interested in. Well, that's what I'm interested in finding out. But also, I have a feeling that those people are probably going to start being stronger than the fucking family shit. And the families are going to freak out and try to do like some kind of control stuff. Like, I can see like different paths that the story can go down. And uh, I also am just like very pleased with how we're given enough about new characters. Where do we don't get the whole backstory? They give us enough to basically say these these are this character's goals, mm-hmm. and that's it. Like Kamo basically is going along with the shit. He doesn't like his family either, but he's going along with the shit because he wants to protect his mom. That's mm-hmm. it. That that is more than enough. For me to understand why the fuck he's fighting the way that he is. Absolutely. That's it. Absolutely. I I did like that they decided to recap some of the motivations for the other characters for doing what they're doing in this episode. So mm. you 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 obviously you get Kamo's backstory, which is awesome. I mean, like he's a he's definitely not like a primary character. He's a supporting character and definitely yeah. not one. It gets a lot of screen time, but you can you, his design, what he's uh, what he's doing, the conversation that he's having when he's fighting in a I mean, like you between how many times he showed up? What three? He's been in three episodes doing anything, uh, saying anything with any like spoken lines. I think you have a pretty good grasp on who he is, what motivates him. Same thing with like Mechamaru. Yes, he got a showcase episode, but he was really only um, speaking in the last 12 minutes of that episode. So so what I'm getting at is the supporting cast is growing. And what they're doing is every time they introduce you to a new character, you get get a little drip of them here, a little drip of them there. And then they get like a moment where they kind of tell you what they're all about and what motivates them. And then they do a bunch of stuff that corresponds with their motivation. And then they leave and you feel like, okay, I understand who this person is. And then note it. You note that like when, um, uh, why am I not blanking out on his name with the dogs and the shadow puppet? I don't know why my brain is not working. In that fight where he's talking to Kamo and he's like, uh, oh, you're blood doping. 
and you start to see the, yeah. the the limits of that power getting expanded because first you're like oh it's, it's something basic like using the blood on objects in order to imbue them with curse energy and then they're like nah bro it's blood control it's everything so you could you know beef yourself up make yourself faster stronger you know all this other shit the thing with the blood packet to restrain Nue in the oh, air oh that was so cool yeah so i just feel like I feel like they gave you which I also feel like Megumi hasn't shown us his new shit yet. No, no, he hasn't shown us, and I keep that's what I was waiting for this whole episode. I was like, he's still fighting with the Shikigami. Where is this shadow technique? Well, you got you got a little teeny tiny bit of a of a inkling of what he's doing when he well with the sword with the sword. Yeah, so that that's the one thing. Because Kama was like, where the fuck he get that sword? And so I immediately was like, oh, this nigga can store shit in the alternate shadow dimension or something. Mm-hmm. I was like, broken, broken, broken. I don't know if that's what it is, but that's immediately what I thought. I was like, he, that shadow shit's on another level. There's some, I, what, what I find really interesting about anime, having the conversation with anime only folks is there's actually something very major that was, I think, missed by almost everybody uh, that I've seen reviewing or watching and who have not read the manga. And something that uh-huh. I missed when I read the manga uh, that happened over the the last few episodes that's hugely important about certain powers that certain people have. But the Megumi's example is a perfect one because you just see him produce a sword and... One character notices that something is weird about it, and then that's all you get because it immediately like smashes, like smash cuts to like well they're already in the fight with Hanami, so yeah. So you're distracted by the audience is distracted, and some of the characters of the show are distracted, and they don't like dwell on it. They don't like have like a cutaway where you get like some backstory of like, where did Megumi get the sword from? What is the power of this? You just they just don't tell you anything. It just yeah. happens. And there was there there was another very important thing that went down similarly with another power of another individual that I didn't even realize until very recently. And I'm a manga reader. I I pride myself on digging into all the little edges of everything, and I miss this entirely. So I appreciate that the show does not hold your hand at all. They just let you yeah. know some shit's going down, and if you, if you're into it, then it'll logically be brought up later. Somehow. I honestly thought that it had something to do with like the distraction frog that he sent out. Mm. And I was like, oh, did he send the frog there to like get him to turn his back? Is that like, is that a rule or some shit like that for the thing? And I was like, okay, well, no, he just made the elephant. Great. Which, by the way, that water was awesome. That whole the fight was animated well. That, that, that shit was so him. fucking cool. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. When Kamo first did the blood doping yes. and like he, um, uh, in the after image, I was like, oh <laughs> yeah. shit. Yeah. Some of those strikes and he's like trying to block with the top and they're like slowly getting broken. And then I, I appreciated... thought he was going to break in one of his arms to be honest. I mean, I guess he could have. I appreciated that. So they had two shots. One where he, uh, Kamo is, is hitting like the, like rather Megumi's blocking with the Tonfas and they crack. Then there's a it, the next shot is over his shoulder and Kamo's coming at him. He's holding the tonfas up and they're starting to look broken. They get another hit, one breaks, and then in the last scene where he's sort of like trying to defend and the last one breaks, they remembered that it was holding on by just the 
the cloth that was wrapped around it, like the broken uh-huh. piece of wood. And they they remember that and animated it, but it would have been both cheaper and no one would have cared if in the cut between the two scenes they just went with the broken upper half. Like, little things like that I know are, they're obvious, but like, I try to think what would, like, if I was doing production and I was also producing Attack on Titan, I'm like, where can we save some time? Oh, we could just like not animate this hanging piece of wood on a, on a, on a, you know, that's wrapped around some cloth, because that's annoying. To have to like get the physics of that right and do it. No, they just go for yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So I appreciate that. Also, the music was pretty good. Um, oh yeah, it was so good. That's the then, that's the hard that's the hard part. At least like with posting videos on YouTube with Jujutsu Kaisen, they they are on it with that like insert music as far as like copyright claiming. Right. Like it's not just the opening and the ending. So. That's usually why it's hard to post those fucking clips and shit like that because they always have some banging ass music playing and it's not just like background instrumental music. They use they use a lot of vocal tracks. They really do. I'm actually impressed. Uh, there was a, maybe it was the episode the last episode. There was a couple of like vocal tracks that were on there. Like one what was it when they had like there was like some rapping going on. I'm like, damn, yeah, yeah, yeah we getting it now. Yeah. What do you feel about the introduction finally of Toge Inamaki? As a as a character doing stuff. Oh man, I felt so bad for Miwa. <laughs> I felt so bad because I honestly, I honestly didn't see it coming that like he was gonna call her. That shit took me out. I was like, <laughs> wait a second, where did you come from? I thought you were actually like doing the hunting. He was lurking. But, yeah, that part, and also when he like used his power on Kamo and Megumi. I was like, "Oh shit!" Yes. Like, are there are there consequences for that? Or yeah, you know? I thought it was a hot scene when he was like running on the roof and like yelling yes. at them. Oh, that was that was sick. Oh yeah, I the hot when Hanami broke the cell phone. I was like, "Oh, somebody's dead." Mm. <laughs> I, legit, I legit was like, "Somebody's about to die" because she just <laughs> appeared and she could have killed them by now already. Yeah, I feel like she could have killed them by now already. So now I'm wondering. I was like, there must be some other like, there must be some other goal because if she could just come up that close and take their fucking cell phone out like that and then like back off again and then talk about killing them, it's like okay, you don't really want to like get them out of here. Like, there's another goal going on. Like, it, you're, she's probably a distraction. Well, remember that Jogo was about seven or eight fingers worth of Sakuna power and was pretty confident. Yeah. Even though he was wrong, he was pretty confident that he could kill Gojo. So, yeah. Hanami is at least as powerful as that, if not more powerful. And it's a it's a real enemy. There. This ain't this ain't no no pushover. And we saw. I think I I, I the only thing I, I'm not like crazy about is that they put a lot into the intro again that I feel kind of gives away what the fuck is going on, which I don't like mm. because. Because the intro is great and everything, and it is definitely hype, but like when I see them matched up now, I'm like, well, you know where this is going to end up because of the intro. In yeah. This case. Like, this is not a swerve where like they, they got everybody last season and made them upset. They just gave, they just put exactly what this, this core is going to be about in the intro. So that's the only thing I kind of wish they had not done. Well, I mean, I've, I've seen it for the past few episodes so many times. I was just like, oh, well, we're here. 
yeah. okay yeah and like them fighting Hanami in the intro like i never i just never expected it to be happening during the fucking exam that's true which we and should so, talk about that we should talk about how it's the tuning this is, exam this is the tuning exam but All, done right this. <laughs> but done correctly it's so wild but you are exactly right it's the tuning exam done correctly where it's not just what you know the tuning exam wasn't bad but i feel no, like it this, wasn't bad this kind of uh, this was it was like a combination arc that leads into a combination of like a tournament arc and training arc that leads into like a big bad arc so and yeah exactly i mean i just you can't i'm not how i haven't seen another show do that the closest like, simultaneously close- like there's no mm. breaks that's another thing there are no breaks yes this, shit this is, is just all like gas non-stop yeah, absolutely it's all gas so let's let's take a magical stroll back down through anime history the og tournament that that sort of got the trope kicked off even though it's arguable w- which came first i mean uh, you have like this happened in fist of the north star but Typically, people talk about the dark tournament in Yu Yu Hakusho. Yu Yu Hakusho, right? Yeah. The Flame of Rekka also had something similar, but like it wasn't as big a show as uh, Yu Yu Hakusho. Dark tournament, which there was Dark Tournament One and Dark Tournament Two, were excellent. And at the time, they set a very high bar in terms of kind of doing what you're talking about because in Dark Tournament One, is Taguro, the Taguro brothers were the were the and main antagonists, and so the the tournament is happening, and that is woven in with the bigger story of that season about yeah about everything to do with the with the the uh, Taguro fine great classic whatever you fast forward to Naruto and it is basically trying to do a lot of the things that the Dark Tournament arc did and granted in my opinion the this is when Naruto was at its best was when they were kind of copying that bit and then the swerve of having the whole tournament interrupted by uh, an attack that then leads you to the final boss is great. The problem is that like it, the show kind of peaked there and there is a problem with tournament arcs. And the problem is that you have your central character who is trying to progress whatever story is going on. And if uh-huh. you haven't done a great job of really getting the audience invested in all of the support and side characters, what winds up happening in tournament is you have to spend lots and lots and lots of airtime on confrontations well no no, on on the side characters you you're kind of forced to do it because now you now you're like trying to make people interested in them again and one of the reasons why people like tournament art so much is because they tend to cover up or fix or address a lot of the like the the waste not waste that's the wrong word they address the the improper use of storyline development time by just sort of like finally proving to you why you should give a fuck about these other nobodies who are hanging around your main. Because now they get to be kind of by themselves in a one-on-one situation. Now your power system gets tested for like its uh, mm-hmm. cleverness or, or the depth of it or how interesting it can look. You know, you can, you can make contrived challenges that even in the world that these people are living in are not the sorts of things they're going to be dealing with as part of the main plot in order to like force situations. My Hero Academia does this in a perfect way. I think. Oh yeah, well. I was about to bring that up. I was like, I love the fucking tournament arc there. Yeah, yeah, and that's one of the reasons why they're good. Now, here's the problem with tournament arcs: if you're not like a big fan of them, they, depending on the size of your cast, 
they can waste a lot of fucking time. A lot. I mean, Whoa. like, if you're if you are being economical, well, sometimes maybe they want that. Sometimes they no, one hundred percent they often do. But like, let's say you're in a situation with like a my hero, right, where your supporting cast is literally like twenty five people. So when you construct your your tournament, if you remember that the way they set it up, it was essentially eliminating like ninety percent of the supporting cast to get down to like some you know whoever the most popular folks are you know from the or or the the ones that Monica likes the most. Then they yeah. get their one on ones, right? Could you imagine if they had to do one on one like a a literal thirty two man a single elimination tournament with all of the 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 all B those characters other how yeah. much wasted time there would be so you have to like come up with a gimmick to get out of all of the waste and the problem with naruto was and the tuning exam was there were two or maybe three fights that anyone gave a single shit about it was it's rockley and gara which is supposed to start the story really of like the arc you know cuz gara is the final boss you yeah. know right then there's um uh, 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 what do you call it? Shikamaru and Tamari, which is literally a throwaway fight that only sets up the fact they get married in ten years. So it's it's basically <laughs> it's pointless. And then it's Naruto and uh, uh, what's the guy? Neji, right? Those are that's really because the the Sasuke fight is interrupted. So there's really only three things that happen in that the structure of the tournament that anyone cares about. Now look what they did with Jujutsu Kaisen. We're now up to like today. So we come in with a it's a it's a tournament, but it's not really a tournament because it's a group battle. They swerve you by telling you that there's going to be two halves, and so the first half is like this like more open ended, anything goes kind of free for all, and then supposedly there's going to be like the more structured one on one stuff that happens after the first half of it is over. Now, we know as of this episode that the second half is not happening. So that means that the tournament arc is really just the free-for-all battle between the two groups of, of, of sorcerers from the two high schools. And then if you watch the episodes, it pretty much breaks down into short 1v1s that are either, like, they're ended very quickly, so Maki versus Miwa, kind of, you know, they talk to each other in one scene, and then they kind of their fight is, like, three minutes long, Right. Bing, boom, done. You're not wasting half an episode on that. Um, Maki dealing with her sister. Um, Nobara versus Momo. Mekamaru and uh, Panda. To, uh, Kamo and, and uh, uh, Fushiguro. And then, obviously, Yuji and Toto. Like, that's... D- those are the matchups that, that actually happened in, the ep- in like, these episodes. But guess uh-huh. what? They're, they're, they're spread out. They all inter- intermingle with each other. They start in ways that are surprising. So it's not like a board that says, oh, look, it's going to be... This person's going to fight, yeah. Right. You, it's chaotic. And so when the, when the matches come up, which is essentially what they are, they're, they spin out of the strategy of the teams in an unpredictable way. So you don't know. I mean, you, you're, you're pretty sure, for example, that it's going to be Fushiguro and Toto matching up because they got introduced to each other and they have a history now. But no, it's Yuji and Toto who go after each other and have whatever's happening with them, right? So they scramble everything, and they never give you too much. They don't waste whole episodes on stuff that doesn't matter. And then, right when they hit, like, the climax of the interest that you're going to have in, like, the tournament part, they just throw it all away. They're like, fuck this. 
let's let's go to the real like guy. Let's put some stakes in this shit, right? Because now we know Yuji's not gonna die because he's having like bro time with Toto, you know. So that's when Hanami shows up. That's when like now the teachers get involved. So now you have something more to look forward to than just like the I wonder who's gonna win Block B. Like nobody. Gets <laughs> Yeah, I was extremely excited when the shit started to go down and the veil happened. And I was like, oh, no, the teachers are going to have to get involved now. Like, hands down. Right. And the fact that they, like, incapacitate. Well, it wasn't purposeful. like, But Miwa being incapacitated right now, like, in the middle of the shit, it's just like, oh, wow. I honestly thought that the cursed spirit was going to be a bigger thing. but I mean, in a sense, it is because that's it's Hanami, not that grade one. Yeah. Which that in and of itself was also a big deal where I was like, of course your old ass yep. can do some more bullshit. And like, it's not even a second grade. It's a fucking, it's basically a first grade. Yeah, it's the one, it's, it's, it's of the same caliber as the one that killed everybody the first time. Yeah. So it's like, what the fuck? But, you know, he don't care. He just want his way. But goddamn when they did the reveal, because I saw him carrying that case when mm-hmm. he was following um, Gojo and Homegirl. And I was like, what the fuck is it? I was like, is he like Maki? He has like a weapon or something. And when the, I saw the fucking guitar, I was like, oh, my God, it was him in the opening the entire That's time. Right. That's right. That's right. So they did it again anyway. They got our asses again anyway. That was the last person I thought would have been playing that guitar. I, I, I thought it would have been like Toto or somebody <laughs> like doing that shit. But of course, it's, oh my God. And like May, I already know she on some fuck shit where they're like, May, we need you to stay here and, you know, watch stuff and da da da. And I'm like, May is going to do what, who, whatever the person who pays her yep. <laughs> tells her to do. That is it. Like, I I learned enough about that character in her intro for her to basically be like, oh, she don't give a fuck. She Anybody like, with hair like money. that is always, is, can't be trusted. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, she's chaotic neutral. Worst. Yes. Like, get the fuck out of here, girl. <laughs> like, you're not helping. Well, they do a, another thing that's important in this episode that opens things up for more interesting things later is that they introduce now sorcerer jujutsu sorcerers who are willing to side with the curses for whatever reason yeah and that that itself just because up i mean up until now every jujutsu sorcerer that we've run into is uh, in some way directly affiliated with the schools even suguru ghetto even he used to be uh a student you know with the you know and part of the hierarchy and he's hiding so we know that like it's possible to like run away or to Separate Which yourself. also, I'm, I can't wait until they expound upon, like, why is he hiding from them? Because I know Toto had something to do with, like, stopping his last fuck shit. Right. That he tried went to down. do something a year or two ago, and Toto yeah. kind of was, the, like, one-man army did. And didn't yeah. Shit. Um, but, yeah, so now you're starting to get introduced to, again, a bigger, broader world of trouble that can happen. But it's done through the context of characters you already know. So now it's not just like, oh, here's a random curse. Like, could you imagine if this was a, let's say, a, a lower grade shonen where you, you're, you, you're in between arcs and so you want to introduce like, oh, there's other bad curse users. So you put Yuji out on a mission and then all of a sudden he's running into a bad guy and it's sort of like a one shot and it's like, oh, now I know there's bad guys out there. No, they just weave that into the main story. The main story is always 
moving forward, always. Uh, and I, I appreciate that, like, every time they expand the world, they do it through the context of things that are important to the primary storyline. It's not like this other... Sh- it's like uh, someone was describing it, because I don't watch it, but apparently, like, the first 50 episodes of the Boruto anime is all world-building, but it sucks, because it has nothing to do with anything. Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I tried. And, you know, I was interested in the new characters, especially, um, what's her name? Chocho? Yeah, Chocho's like, That's cool. my bitch. That's my bitch. I was like, I love this character. Thank you for creating her. It's great. Yeah. But other than that, I was like, um, what are we doing? Yeah, what, but it's a, it's a method of the storytelling that's off there. That it's it's like you have to eat spinach in order to have your dessert yes and and that sucks when you're literally it's like it's like so it's like when you go to like a a five-star or not even five-star restaurant you've been saving up to get like that four or five course meal from like the chefs whatever and you're really about to have fun with all your friends and then like course number one is like like a heaping pile of fried kale and you're like i like kale it like it as a garnish I don't know if I want to eat the entire <laughs> plate of it in order to get to the next, like, course. And I don't want to insult the chef I've now paid for the chef's course, you know, to not eat it. So now now I'm just unhappy. And that's that's what Boruto, I think, is like. Is there something in there that's actually interesting, but you have to go through all of this other important things, you know, world building and letting you, d- establishing new concepts and but you're supposed to do that in the context of an engaging story. Jujutsu Kaisen is an engaging story. Is this engaging? Like, you want to see what happens next. It looks great. It sounds great. All the characters are cool and awesome. They constantly flip the script on you. By the way, remember, Kamo was trying to kill Yuji. Now he's teamed up with Fushiguro and uh, Toge to fight Hanami. This all flipped in the course of maybe two minutes. Yes. It was so fast. Like, they're collaborating when Toge froze Hanami, and then they try to get their hits in. They're like, oh, shit, we're fucked, because nothing works. So, I I don't know. This is one of my favorite parts. I mean, every every part of Jujutsu Kaisen is a favorite of something, but this is definitely, like, a, another gear gets shifted. And we haven't even gotten Yuji back! Yeah, that's another thing. It's like there's so much that's been happening in these past few episodes, and Yuji has been a part of it, which also makes me love it even more. Where I'm like, oh my god, you are not necessary. Like, not at all. I mean, the show, if, of course, is about him, but and he's like the titular character. But the fact that we have all of these side characters like interacting with um the main cast, and uh, they're just so. They're just so well developed. You're just excited it, like, to see everybody trying too hard. Yeah, like, it's and then amazing. Gojo can't even be involved in these episodes either, which is great because now there's actual stakes again. He can't yes. just like fix everything with one hit. Which I automatically knew. I was like, Gojo's not getting inside. I was like, that's 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 an automatic rip. Like mm-hmm. you're not getting in there, buddy. It's going to be too easy. And I also kind of feel like maybe someone intended for him to not be able to get inside too, because I think they're still trying to trap him in that box thing. Well, so. yeah, well, I would say that clearly in this episode, they established that one, Gojo is so powerful that when, even if they were to have trapped him outside as part of like a veil keeping everyone out, clearly they wouldn't have had the power to keep him out for long. Cause remember, he, he just says, like, well, the veil's up. I didn't get inside, but I'll just break it down. 
and then they yeah. really, he realizes that it's a veil that only keeps him out, which means that like it's so I'm much more that powerful. That makes it more powerful. Yes, yeah. yes, much much more powerful. It just it just slows him down a lot longer. And so clearly, whatever they're trying to do, they're trying to get it done. You know, in the amount of time that it would take to for him to break down this very specific barrier. Uh, and again, it gives other characters a chance to shine. We're gonna see Gakuganji, which is the old principal dude, like. He's going to go in. He's he, to me he's one of the most interesting characters here because he's definitely from uh, from top to bottom an antagonist. Like there's nothing yeah. really about him that He wants to maintain the status quo. Right. Like he's not like, you know, one of those like friends become enemies, enemies become friends type of deal. Like this is just like a person who wants to kill Yuji. He's not a necessarily a bad guy. But from his point of view, much like Kamo... What he's doing is right. Exactly. And Kamo is like a little microcosm of that because he... Remember when, when Fushiguro asked him, he's like, you know, uh, basically I've decided... Like, I have my own values the same way you've got your own values. And we know from the internal model that Kamo is doing it to protect things he cares about. He doesn't really yeah. give a shit about Yuji. And he's not necessarily a bad person for doing it. But he is an antagonist yeah, in that moment. What? I get yeah. that. Like, I don't think that they're bad. I just think they're just being antagonistic in the moment. Exactly. And that's how things, when they flip around, like how Panda can play around with Mechamaru. And and it's not personal. He even says that. Like, you know, we're, we're cool, right, bro? Like... I, I, I feel like visit. Panda is the king of personal. Because he's just like, you humans and your feelings and shit. <laughs> kind of like this. Yeah. That's a good episode. Yeah, so I, th- I feel like um, we talked a lot about it, but it's also because it's just one of those good Keystone episodes yeah, to come back it's to. definitely a Keystone episode where it just... It's another shit-hits-the-fan episode. But I don't think they've had, like, a Demon Slayer episode, like, episode 19 yet. No. Like insanity. Like I think I know what that will likely be, but on the other Whoa. hand... If 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 they present things a little differently, I will say that like you don't need a Demon Slayer episode to really spark shit off. There are oh, other no. ways. There are other ways to to keep get your hype train and keep your hype train moving. I think the thing about Demon Slayer, it, if we, I mean, I remember this. It was a show a lot of people dropped. Yeah, like, it I, was. I loved it, was, it from the beginning, but not a lot of people were watching it when the episode nineteen dropped. And that's then right. People got, then people came back. Exactly. So I feel as if the the thing about Demon Slayer was there was an arc to even the fan interest. And if you're a show that was already operating at a very high level to begin with, then as long as you maintain that high quality, you're gonna you're gonna grow the way Jujutsu Kaisen grew. Because Frankly, I mean, Demon Slayer is still very, very popular, and the and the Hell Train is going to be awesome. Um, and whenever the show comes back, that's great. But like, there's a reason why Jujutsu Kaisen is doing as fucking well as it is right now, and they have not had that episode yet. So, yeah, it's good. It's real good. Agreed. Okay. Next. Oh wait, there's nothing next. <laughs> <laughs> we're done with the epic weeklies yes yeah we there i think um on our we have a couple of interesting ideas on our sort of plate for other topics but for this week i think uh i'll give a, like a couple sentences here or there 
with some of the other stuff I've watched, which was World Trigger. We talk about tournament arcs. We're in a tournament arc. It's good. It's creative. The animation is better. The the I want to shout out the score for the last couple of episodes has been mm. quite strong. And I think that anyone who's getting back into World Trigger now, this is where a lot of the cool ideas that are introduced in the first season and maybe um, played a little bit straight for the purpose of like a shonen, you know, action stuff now start to get uh, applied creatively and make very interesting confrontations. And um, there's a character that they highlight in this week's episode who I think is emblematic of what World Trigger does, right? Which is you're not going to remember anybody's name because it's all like, you know, last names and squad names and everything else. But you can identify people visually and you can identify people by the attitude uh, that their characters put out and how that consistent that is. And uh, I've, I've just been enjoying it. I, I love it. Um, Back Arrow is really cool. It's like junk food. It's like a, a bag of... What's your... I don't know what your favorite... Uh, 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 chips are or something that you would get from a corner oh, store. The what's call it? The the curly honey barbecue for you. Oh yeah, yeah, yes. That's a great. The that's a great example. Always hit. No that's a great. What. That is a perfect example. But when you finish the bag, you're kind of like, damn. Should I? Well, also, <laughs> it's funny you brought Fritos. Uh, me and my my wife will argue sometimes about like what's the best like return on your investment. For if you can spend like seventy five cents on a bag of chips, and to me, it's always been. Fritos, because them motherfuckers are dense. You ever they pick are, up like a bag yes. of Fritos? I feel like that's one of the reason why I always feel like kind of like not like full, but kind of like disgusted at the end of the <laughs> Cause it's, because it's just so because it's so much, and I'm just it's like, so damn, heavy. that actually was like a meal. It like, was. I, you know, no lie, I really do feel like Fritos are probably like they they probably kept some people out of like true hunger. For, for, oh, absolutely. For See, now I gotta go get some after this shit. Now Yo, I want God no, damn it. You ain't wrong. But uh so yeah, back arrow is just, is is very comfort foodish. This week's episode focused on I'll just say it, like I'm not gonna say what the plot was, but the, the, the idea behind the episode was Pretty Boys and it doesn't go the way you think. It's there's <laughs> a there's a there's a swerve sort of that's sort of heartfelt towards the end. Um, but one of the things I liked about I like about the show is that the characters who are supposed to be intelligent adults make intelligent adult observations about other people, both emotionally and also like rhetorically or intellectually. It's not a smart show. Everyone in this show is dumb, like by our standards, real world standards, and also mm-hmm. the plot is ridiculous. But Inside of its own logic, I am impressed by these little moments where characters are like, oh, yeah, that is how somebody would feel. Or actually, this surface reaction that I, the we, the audience, would normally be given as the only depth to the scene, someone else in the show recognizes that there's more to it and then talks about it. Uh, and there's a couple moments like that, especially one around ageism, which I think is going to go to a sad place, which I feel kind of bad oh. about. Regarding really? like the the elder of the village, like oh he man, kinda, fuck that elder! I was tired. He, yes, ass. he's he's kind of a piece of shit. But then at the same time, some stuff happened in this episode that was subtle. It was it was much more subtle than I would have given a show like this credit for. Where basically he's like he realizes and says out loud that it doesn't like 
he's old and what he says and does doesn't really matter to anybody anyway so like let other people yeah go he's into- the one that's causing the majority of the problems for back arrow yeah he okay. often does and and even though he's fallen back a little bit from that like it's still a little like i'm happy that they're doing that with that character because normally what would happen is he he'd do all the fuck shit that he's doing then he would come around on the main character and then he'd just be like a dude in the background yes yeah that is not what's happening and i feel like he has an actual arc that's going to have a conclusion i just think it's going to be a sad one but not not like cathartics but like sad in the sense that man this is actually what happens to old older people in real life and it sucks damn um, so yeah so i think that so there's that and then um what else did i watch this week uh oh yeah uh hidden dungeon consent porn the anime i mean it's great i don't know what to say <laughs> like it's funny some silly shit going down the harem is more or less complete uh last episode there was a bunch of conversations between all the female cast that passed the Bechdel test. This episode, I was shocked by some of the the adult nature, and I mean mature nature, of like what people were thinking about and talking to each other about as far as like people's emotions and how to deal with stuff. I'm like, this is the same show where a dude used magic to deflate his friend's breasts, and then another, and then his teacher like sexually assaulted him by grinding his dick for three minutes. Like in front of the like, th- these are all existing in the same universe. I don't know how it happens. So that that's what Jesus. I was Jesus, <laughs> I okay. don't get it. I'm gonna have to pick this up uh, outside of Tatoeba Dungeon because Tatoeba is kind of it's kind it's losing me. It's it's kind of losing me. As as much as I I hate to say, it's still interesting and it is still funny. But I think like the serious like the there's definitely a serious plot behind it. But it's just not really keeping me entertained beyond like the comedy. And the serious plot doesn't come in uh, frequently enough for me to be like, ooh, shit. Oh, so that's what's going on. Oh, ooh. So I'll return to it, but I don't know if I'm going to be watching that weekly from now on. Mm. Did I watch anything else? I didn't watch Redo this this week. Yeah, yeah. me neither, but I will. But I know where it's going and. We're a couple episodes or a few episodes away. I'm actually assuming that the scene that the readers know about, the a very particular scene, uh, is not for a little bit. So that that's been keeping things on the hush. But I also think that the reaction to the show has died down now that people have accepted that. Uh, it's just oh, they've accepted it for what they know it's going to be. Yeah, like all the. I think a lot of the articles and things, the reviews that where people were overreacting to the first couple episodes burned out a lot of the negativity. And now, like, the people who are sort of into it realize that, yeah, it's just a thing I'm into. And the people who aren't into it, they just don't watch it, which is what it should be. <laughs> all right. So, main topic? Well, I fear you lead this one because I feel like you you have way more opinions on this show than I do. And mine are very straightforward well this is if we're talking about b stars which which i enjoy quite a bit um this is more of a retrospective look back on season one as i have not started season two i saw a few me neither chapters that uh someone had sent sent to me and i wasn't quite sure this is before i actually had watched season one that now i realize are kind of where season two was starting Um, so I know a little teeny bit about what's going on. Um, but when I went into season one, there were two choices that I made. The first was that I wound up watching it dubbed. 
And the second was that I wound up watching it with my wife, who's she is not like a an anime newbie, but she doesn't watch anything with any regularity. So like, you know, when things would come on television, um, she's a, a Cowboy Bebop fan, so she would watch that. Yeah. Like thing things like that. But she, I would not classify her as an anime fan by any stretch. Also, um prior to that, the only thing we'd ever really watched together recently was Agretzko, which is more definitely a comedy, definitely um, aimed and has a di- just a a different cultural sensibility. Even though it's all an- anthropomorphic animals, it's very air quotes cartoon like. Whereas Beastars is more serious. So these are the two things that that you know I think I did differently watching the show than I do with other things that I watch just for myself. And going into it immediately, I had no idea what I was getting into. I thought from the reputation. That it was going to be very sexual, which it turned out to not yeah. really be. It was it was <laughs> sexual, but but I would say that it, it wasn't was like extreme. That that wasn't the point of the show. Yeah, exactly. The purpose of the show was not to set up, you know, some lewd or fucking. right. That's not what this was about. It was just an adult drama that includes all adult themes, including sex and talk. Frank talk about it and relationships and other things. So that was cool. I was pleasantly surprised by that. Second thing that was interesting was the way in which the characters are represented the anthropomorphicness of these characters for the most part these are humanoids with animal heads and occasional like specific animal body parts yeah but w- but one of the choices that was made was to still do things like have what you call like pocket pets or tiny animals be small very small um in comparison to larger animals so that doesn't immediately like i remember that i was watching the first episode and there's a scene where louis walking down the hallway talking to no he's not it was um it's when they're outside of the little memorial to the the alpaca who got killed and there was a uh in the background you see like these two i think they were like they must have been some kind of mouse or something and they were walking with each other and they turn around a corner and that's when i realized like oh they're actually super fucking small because I thought it was just the perspective of the hallway. It's like, no, they're, they're, they're just little. So aesthetically, the animalness is played up and played down all over the place, which I think is really cool. The CGI part really works in this series too, which I wasn't sure it was going to work out. And then lastly, like where the story wound up going by episode two or three, it's messy as hell, but messy as hell in a great way. So I really connected actually with a lot of the main and side characters because they were presented dramatically in in a very relatable way. So I was I thought the show was great. My wife actually thought the show was fantastic, um, and oh. was excited to watch episodes and wanted to see how how everything played out. And I think a big part of that was Louie because um, she could really oh, dislike man. his character, but then. Stuff that he does later on, sort of like the midpoint of the season, uh, yes. where he, like it's very layered in ways that are like I this could have been on, on like a prestige TV, not an not not a like a real human actor. I would have bought that same performance. Like take I away agree all with the that. Stuff. I definitely think that as far as like the story and the way that it's portrayed was, uh, it's definitely like watching a drama. Like yes specifically like a for tv drama but there's also so much other shit going on that i kind of was a little bit overwhelmed at times 
mm-hmm. with the whole like herbivore carnivore thing and uh, also like wondering i i think there's like a, a sense of anxiety to the show where it's just like when is someone else gonna lose it mm-hmm. like when is it gonna happen and then there's there's just yeah louise himself i like the character but i didn't trust him for a single fucking second did you like in the first since we know that it starts with a murder did you immediately think that he had something to do with it or did you just feel like he was up to other no good shit like he was just a bad guy i just had the feeling that he was the he was going to try to manipulate legoshi mm-hmm. into doing dirty work for him which it, it i thought that that's kind of the route that it was going to go down but it didn't and i was very pleased with that and uh, i just love uh, legoshi's growth and how it actually seemed like organic. It didn't seem rushed. It seemed extremely plausible. And uh, also, like they they also did a really good job of uh, emoting and like portraying like high school fucking uh, not pheromones, um, hormones. hormones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you could literally like feel the hormones just like popping off the fucking screen with the sexual tension sometimes. And uh, it's not that. It, they did it because they wanted the show to be sexual. It's just like that is a that's a part of like high school life, yes. like in general. And then also when they go back to uh, talking about, or not when they go back to, but like in general when they're talking about like the races or the species of the animals, sex is a big thing because people are trying to procreate. They're trying to keep the species going. So that is a regular thing that they talk about, and they already been fucking, especially yeah. the rabbits. Yeah, which, I mean, makes sense. They are rabbits. They are but, rabbits. Like, they get taken out quickly, so they got to come back. What did you feel about when you were first introduced to Haru's character and versus, like, where she was at kind of at the end of the first season? I So when I first got introduced to her, I loved it. And then it was a very kind of jarring a little bit for me to basically see someone that they set up to be such an innocent kind of character to be so uh sexually um not free but like just like yeah she so was, se- she, yeah. Was, she was promiscuous that's, yeah that's, promiscuous that's fine. yes that's totally yeah. fine. she's promiscuous but also i don't think she was promiscuous in a way where she was just like trying to fuck others up i think it was through her trying to find herself yes so yes. Uh, i understood that but by the end of the season i uh really enjoyed the fact that she and Lagoshi kind of found uh, solace in each other. Yes. And uh, I know that, you know, she definitely tried to do her regular thing where she's like, all right, well, let's fuck. Like, if we're going to be this close, then we're going to fuck. And then, you know, the, you know, <laughs> the species thing got in the way. Yeah. But they still wanted to be around each other so much. It's just like, okay, well, now it's almost like a... Um, like a play on like actual like race right like yeah definitely but at the same time i just i feel like the the stakes are different because they're like species (laughs) and like they can't actually have like a wolf rabbit baby i mean like that we don't know what is or isn't possible in this world now that's true too but Uh. I also really enjoyed how the show kept throwing um, uh, everyone's worldviews in Lagoshi's face and how, like, just because he's trying to do the right thing doesn't mean that it's always going to happen. 
right. or that like that's what everyone else wants and uh, that was kind of a really not it wasn't hard to to watch it was just extremely interesting to see the show basically say no there are there are people out here doing whatever the fuck they want to do and you're gonna have to deal with it unless you can change it yourself yeah i I think that was i got exactly the same perspective but go on sorry no yeah go ahead go ahead no no I, i i got the same perspective i think one of the keys to a good relatable drama is whatever world it's set in whether it's like our real world or something else that you would say is fully realized yeah the moment when the characters that you're following and you're supposed to embody come face to face with the complications of whatever the rest of the world that they're living in provides them so with Lugoshi, almost all of the activity of the story in the first few episodes is confined to like the the school. So the mm-hmm. people in it, the politics of the school, the social orbits and organization of the school, and even things like the murder that sort of gets everything started off in his own, let's call it predatory reaction to Haru, which creates the guilt that drives a lot of his early, like, pathos in the story like all of that is in the context of the school so if something bad happens to him it's always like well what would the people at the school think there's that moment though when they finally get out of the school and he has you know his own ideas about how he wants to live his life and maybe what he's struggling with is it right is it wrong you get to that back alley scene where you get to the black market and that's the point where you are it's in your face that there is a society broadly that is complicated and as you point out very well, everyone's kind of out there doing their own thing. And that's going to clash directly with Logoshi's ideas. And oh, by the way, he's a character who doesn't really, he's not confident about himself. He doesn't know yeah. what he really wants or what's right or what's wrong or what even the right way to go about doing something he thinks is right. He doesn't know. So like when he talks to, is it Goin the panda? I think his name is Go- Gohin or Goin or something like that. Oh like, yeah, I forgot his name. Panda. Well, but yeah, the panda. Well, guy. But when he talks to him, and so you know, what does what does that guy do? He immediately pathologizes him. He says, "You know what? I've seen people like you. This would be the equivalent of like your uh, you get diagnosed as like a chubby chaser, right? It's as serious as a diagnosis like that. Oh my god, right? And then, but he's like, yeah, I know, I know, carnivores and herbivores like that. Listen, just take these magazines, beat off in your room, and forget about it." Right? That, that's the first thing that happens when they meet each other because even this, this more experienced adult who is ostensibly trying to be his friend, trying to help him, it has his own view about sort of what's right and what's wrong and what the right way to deal with something is. And all of this is something that Lagoshi is processing with the audience. So when we get to the end of the season and he decides that, you know, he's going to go get Haru and even if it means he's going to have to give in to being the part of the predator part of him that he's afraid of, blah, blah, blah. Guess who shows up to help? Goin shows up and whoops that ass. He is yes. fucking niggas up left and right, which I didn't even, I thought that, I didn't think there was going to be like actual legit action scenes in the show. I didn't, yeah, like I feel like they killed some of them. I'm pretty sure people were dead after that. They didn't kill the main guy. Which yeah, they didn't kill the main guy. Yeah. That fight was fucking brutal. Which like and also like Luis showing up yeah. and also like even even 
the episode where they like went into detail on Luis's background and mm-hmm. you know he's adopted, but then that was what? creep. Yeah. Yeah. Yo. Yeah. Like it was a lot. And it did a lot for me to understand the character more, but I also still was just like that doesn't for I mean, not that he needs to be forgiven for anything, but I was just like, you can't you still can't act the way that you act in. How the yeah. fuck are you like claiming how basically it's just like you want your mistress for yourself and nobody else, even though you already told your mistress that you will never be with her. That's fucked up. Right. What it's was the up. um what was the name of that that tiger who or whatever? Bill like in, not Bill, who's the one who's in or is a lion? The one who's like in charge? Like he's like the mayor or something like oh, that. Oh, the mayor. Oh, I don't even remember his name. I don't yeah, remember. He his was name. fucked up too. Yeah. Because he, he had all the dental surgery. Yes, and shit. I thought that was fascinating. I thought yeah. that was very, very fascinating. Like and how he was, basically was just like, we have to let them do what they're gonna do sometimes. I, I know that like again this is why i love like a good well-written drama and and interesting characters because i don't know what is intended by that character but when he was going into like the thing about his teeth and then you already have all this backstory about how you know the how fragile the society of like carnivores and herbivores are and the psychology behind why he did what he did and of course the fact that he is prominent like he's like he used the term i think at one point like electable he looks more like a herbivore, and so he's less threatening. I thought that, like, you know, for me as a as a black American, like, I could immediately see a different, maybe it wasn't what was intended, but, like, the respectability, politics, and, like, yeah. you know, what? now, I, like, I'm certain that this was meant allegorically in a much broader way, but that's what I really loved about the show, because up and down, and, again, I listen to it on the dub, but I hear that, this, that the Japanese voice actors do a great job. It's, oh yeah, I, lo- it, I listened both, to the Japanese one. It was great. Yeah, yeah, like I felt like this spoke to me on a on the level that I rarely get, even with shows that try very hard to be serious. Yeah, you know, of all yeah. the like the two, the weird thing is that this past year, the two shows because I watched it, um, I watched it at the beginning of of uh, or maybe it's the middle of twenty twenty. The two shows that to me have had like the most pointed social commentary that I could directly relate to were Gretzko and this. Oh, <laughs> like it's weird that that's been the case, but like, I can't think of very much that I've seen that even American stuff. Like, I don't know these, an- these, these anthropomorphic animals, man. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it works. It, and that's the thing that I really enjoyed about the series is that I just, I enjoyed it more than a lot of the other, like, you know, real shows that are trying to explore, the, like, you know, just high school drama and all kind of stuff like that in a mature way. And they fail. Yes. Like, miserably. Yep. Like, and it, it was, it wasn't confusing. It was just so interesting to me that this shit hit so many things on the head and did it so well. And there was a, there was just a constant sense of anxiety for me yes. that I also really liked, like the little individual stories, like the one with the hen. Oh yes. yes that yes. was so cool to me where I was just like, everyone is living their own life in this world and it's so interesting. Yeah, it's just it's just so interesting. I, I those little it. asides, like whether it was um, with the hen and her eggs, um, or when they would just sh- kind of show you the little the special, uh, I don't know what you call them, like the areas and rooms that were for specific animals. Oh, that, when they did that, I loved that because it's just 
it's 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 just like imagining how their society exactly like, came to be. exactly and they don't really go too far into the history of I mean, like there's a dinosaur no. stuff but like or so whether like, there's another city even like that right like i don't know which is you know we could probably go back to something that we had we had talked about maybe in our first episode which is like bna and how mm. bna tried really really hard to have like you know, a social commentary in the midst of a kind of over-the-top action, you know, like, if I had to really say, like, where, which which show had more production, probably B&A, you know, more hand-drawn, yeah. there was whatever, but at the end of the day, the reason why that didn't work as well, and, and Beastars absolutely works, is because Beastars understands that the way to, to tell these big, to address bigger themes is with smaller stories. Nothing that's really happening in B stars is all that grand. This is not about like you know if Lu- if, Lu- if uh you know Lagoshi figures out the murder of Tem, this is going to fix literal race relations you know across the world. No, right? This is just some shit that happened at a school with a couple of like confused teenagers trying to figure out like where they place in the world and like. Maybe a few over the top things happen. You know, someone, someone getting killed, I think is very unusual. Having your, one of your, uh, classmates abducted into not sex slavery, but to like literal cannibalism. Like, yeah. that's, that's pretty over the top. Going on a one man mission, you know, to, to fight off like hordes of murderous carnivores is like lions lions and shit like and some ninja with a ninja panda to help you out or kung fu panda like that's very unusual but the show kind of earns that level of over-the-topness by having spent like 90 percent of its time on the small character driven stuff that makes me care about what happens to these characters if i didn't but like haru's not a great person but like if i didn't care about what happened to her then having Lagoshi go through all that shit, I'd just be pissed. It would be like watching Darling in the Franks. Like, why are you trying to get with this girl? She's a piece of shit, right? Where it, oh my god! You know what I mean? Well, I'm not dwelling on that, but my point is like, if you like the characters and the show and the writing does a good job of actually hooking you into ideas that you give a fuck about, then it can earn some silly, over the top stuff because it feels cathartic when 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 Lagoshi is biting and scratching and being like the real wolf in the moonlight and fucking everybody up, you're like, yeah, motherfucker, get him! Get that but Get him! Right? But if you hadn't earned it, then it would just suck. Imagine if that happened in episode one. You'd be like, eh. Eh! <laughs> <laughs> so. You've done this before. Mm-hmm. Is that what the show is? We're just gonna have him transform and bite people? Right. What's this about a murder? Did he do it? I don't know. Uh... So I I really enjoyed season one. Uh, I want to actually also, watch season two. And we also they previewed the murderer at the very end of the season, or right. but we still didn't see who it was. Yeah, we don't so. know for a show that was supposed to be about a murder. They don't really spend a lot yeah. of time in the first season dealing with it at all. It kind of just got swept into the background. I'm kind of but all, oh that was another thing that like was very interesting to me just to how society just like kept moving even though there was a murder and i'm just like how how common is this well right we figure out later on actually like people be disappearing all the time yes so, like so that so there is a lot of like still dark shit that yeah i feel like season two has a lot of room to play around in so i'm i'm yeah. wanna but i actually want to watch the dub so season two 
looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. I'm just waiting for the dub, which means I'll be probably watching it next season when it releases. Or, uh, yeah, we'll see. they're probably going to release it all at once on Netflix. You yeah, and I, and I look forward to that. So, But I don't mind. Again, I'm not worried about spoilers that typically don't don't take very much if anything away from my enjoyment so i am excited to actually hear good things or whatever people have to say about this current season because uh i was so impressed with season one and i think it's actually something i can talk my wife into watching more of, which is always a good thing because i am not gonna oh she's not interested in the second season uh not that she's not interested she doesn't know it exists Whereas, like, oh. if I brought up any other show, she'd be like, okay. <laughs> it would just be on. But this one I think she's into. All right. So that's it for this week. So uh, social media, make sure you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at just regular Anime Savants, and then Anime underscore Savants on Twitter. And uh, what else is it? Yeah. Yep, that's better. You can always catch me at Neural Handshake. On Twitter, I want to shout out again to the Animania podcast for joining us last week. We had a lot of fun. Uh, oh, hopefully, yes. we can do more collaborations with with them and other folks in the future, and and trying to get plugged into the broader sphere of anime podcasters and black anime podcasters as well. I think is a big goal for for at least for me in in twenty twenty one. Just do more collaborations and and see what other bright ideas are floating around the community yeah except for the ones who only talk about dragon ball yeah no i'm good i can have one <laughs> of the i can have like one of those arguments or conversations like every six months but yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right. well thanks for listening everybody Peace bye out.